Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good Sunday morning, everybody, and welcome on in. It is Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Thank you, everybody, for tuning on in. As we have a lot to get to here in the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. A lot to get to with the UFC. As yesterday, you had a card. Middle of the day. A little bit weird. I guess they were trying to avoid uh, some of the uh, the major college football. I don't know what the deal was with for the scheduling. But uh, it was an odd one. Stuck there right in the middle of the day. As you had Max Holloway taking on Yair Rodriguez. And what was certainly going to be... Uh, just a matchup uh, you would think of just great striking between them. I mean, Max Holloway, name a boring fight that he's been in. Yaya Rodriguez, same thing. The guy's one of the most sensational strikers out there. Max Holloway brings just that tremendous volume and that attitude, which is just always going to just push his opponents to the brink every single time that he goes in there. And so you get these guys in a cage together, you should get fireworks, and it was probably even better than expected. It was uh, just a tremendous back and forth. And like I think a lot of you probably predicted Yair Rodriguez was going to be best early, and that was going to be when he was going to have his most success. And the longer that this fight went on, uh, Max Holloway was going to probably take over, as he does a lot of the times. He wears his opponents down. He just keeps coming at him with volume. Sometimes he's laying back. Um, and, and a guy that we saw tonight is just simply one of the best in the world. Everybody has this guy's respect as as championship quality every single time that he's in there it's not just that he is uh one of the best featherweights of all time uh one of the best featherweight champions of all time but just it just has he's just a fighter's fighter everybody has respect for his attitude um everything about it if you don't like max holloway i don't know what the hell is wrong with you You probably just have something just internally wrong with your character uh just because of generally how the guy goes about his business and how pleasing he is every single time that he's in the cage so it was uh, it was off off and running with a sensational back and forth between them. I think that the thing that really uh, Max exposed for my Yair in a lot of ways was just Yair probably went into this thinking that it was going to be simply a striking match. Not to say that Max was uh, was taking him down with every opportunity that he got because there was certainly plenty of volume, there were plenty of strikes, but Max definitely mixed it up enough to show Yair that. He had to be on his toes with everything that came there. And I think that that really just got Yair in a couple ways. I think it got him in the idea that he wasn't looking for it and he wasn't prepared for it. And also, that led him into some really, really awkward positions. You know, Max was going for some submissions at certain points. He ended up at full mount at certain points. But you also 
had to give Yair a lot of credit because he was able to get out of those positions. And a lot of the times he would end those rounds with some big strikes, some big moments that just let you know that he was still in the fight, but it, it was still clearly a Max Holloway round. And I really thought that basically, for me, for my money, Max took every single round after after round one. I thought that he just had the more quality minutes in each round, and, and certain rounds were pretty damn clear that it was his. But, but Yair always just had that little bit of something. Every single round was just like, man, I probably thought this guy was going to wilt away. I probably thought that he was uh, going to be a lot easier to put out like this, but he, he or, or that he was going to gas out, and he never did. You know, he, he has shown now propensity to grow and be in these all-time wars, and I think for him, earned a lot of people's respect tonight for, for being out of there two years. And y- you think about the conundrum about both of these guys. You know, Max is a guy where he's 29 years old. He's been doing the thing forever. And Yair, 29 years old, has really been uh, kind of been looked upon as the next great featherweight or the, the, the flashy featherweight prospect for years, but had so much stuff in between that it just hasn't gotten the career off and running like Max's has. Even though Max has had his own adversity and his own tough losses and, you know, taking risks to go up in weight class and get pulled from cards or going up in weight class and losing to Dustin Poirier or, you know, losing to a Conor McGregor and, and a Dustin Poirier early in his career at 19 years old. To, to think what he's come back from and all the activity and all the classics that he's been in there with and what a hard climb it was for him to get back to the title picture. Um it, it's just a tale of two different guys. Now, that doesn't mean that Yair still didn't earn a lot of respect today and showed a lot of people that he's capable of doing really, really big things. But for my money, this was uh, this was definitely another stamp in the uh, in the in the blessed life of Max Holloway, and, and really, really great for him. For Max, now the interesting thing is, all right, where does he go from here? He he, he didn't really point the target a lot of Volkanovsky this week. And I thought there was a couple, there was, there was some interesting things, you know, Dana White has this whole, I don't make fights the night of, or the night of anymore, but he made it pretty clear that he thinks that Max Holloway deserves another shot at Alexander Volkanovsky, that he deserves to be in there with, uh, with, with, uh, with the champ again. And a lot of people look at Max right now as the, the young crown champion. And so, Max isn't really taking that with any pettiness. You know, he's going at this in a in a position where he's like, all right, well, then I'm going to look for big fights. I think I should be right in there with the mix for Conor McGregor. I should be in there for, uh, you know, some, some big-time matchups against some big-time names, maybe going up in weight. Um, Charles Oliveira, a guy that he has a win over. Um, you know, if if Charles Oliveira ends up losing to Dustin Poirier, maybe that doesn't make as much sense. But maybe Max can throw his hat in the ring and go back to – Lightweight, I mean, look, you only lost to Dustin Poirier up there. There's no shame in that game. Like, Dustin Poirier is one of the best guys to go out there and do it. So, though Max has had some adversity with the uh, the, the, the the botched weight cut or the stopped weight cut, I really should say, against Habib and has the loss to Dustin Poirier, yeah, maybe he does go in that direction. I would love to see him get another shot at Volkanovski if we are going to give him that crack I think that it'll be interesting what the champs input is on that to think what well do do I really want to fight Max again Uh, you know is this you know is it my fault that the judges see away it really isn't you know this isn't like a case of uh Aljamain Sterling right where Aljamain Sterling has the belt and 
you got the win over Piotr Jan, but everybody really thinks that, hey, you were getting your ass kicked in that fight and, and you got lucky that Jan didn't know the rules. So, yeah, it's not your fault that you have the belt, but come on. And, and don't parade around with it, you know what I mean? But for for Alexander, look, it's not really on him that the judges saw both of these fights this way. He just has that ability, and, and a lot of guys who are good at the grappling have this where they can run out the clock, they can put you up against the fence, they can, they can squeeze some rounds out of you. And I do think he you got to give some credit to Volkanovski in this regard that he has been able to slow up the max train one way or another as it's gotten off to really fast starts. And so I think that that, you know, especially in that second fight, I think that you have to look at it and say, all right, he's doing something there that's right. So is it close enough to where Max deserves another shot? Yeah, it probably is, especially the way the other one went. Um, Because... You know, you just look at this and, and it's like, well, what are you going to do? Are you, are you not going to have these guys fight again? It's a little bit like um, Valentina Shevchenko and Amanda Nunes. So razor, razor thin, but Amanda has the two nods. But Amanda kind of gets to rule the roost a little bit in the women's classes. And, and Valentina has her own weight class now, so it's not really a thing. But, yeah, you would like to see, even even as close as they are, maybe see it one more time. And so... I would. I would definitely be into seeing him fight Volkanovski again, for sure. I think that he won the second fight, definitely. Uh, I didn't agree with the decision, but I get it from Volkanovski's standpoint. I don't, I don't see it as just purely, hey, Volkanovski's ducking by not taking this fight. I think it's, hey, it's not my fault that the, the judges saw it away uh, in my favor. I want to move on to other things in my career. And so that's that's an interesting conundrum that they have to deal with. If it's not him... You know, the idea of him fighting Connor. All right. What is Connor going to do when he comes back? I thought they had some really interesting back and forth. It is an intri- it is an underrated, interesting fight to go back to. Personally, for me, I feel like I'd like to see Connor McGregor fight Nate Diaz again if he gets his comeback fight. I think that's the one, uh, you know, him and Michael Chandler had kind of a back and forth thing this week. All right. Uh, you know, I get it. Michael Chandler and a lot of is is earning a lot of people's respect with the performances that he's had forth. I'm not going to say I'm not going to watch Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler. I'd be into it, but the thing that makes the most sense to me is him versus Nate. I just think that that one. I I, I would hate to not see that fight for the third time because it is even, but Max is an interesting one. You know, Max is. Uh, a, a guy where the fight was so long ago. A lot like the Dustin fight. It was so long ago. Um, you wonder what this version of Max Holloway is going to be like against Conor. Because the interesting thing is that Conor McGregor, although he did tear his ACL in that fight, was on the verge of his best run ever at featherweight. That's where he was arguably one of the best fighters on the planet, pound for pound, one of the best in the world. With Max, I don't think he was there yet, but that loss put him in a trajectory to get to the long road to get to where he is today, which is I do think it was one of the best pound for pound fighters on the planet. So 
I think that they're at a different crossroads in their career. I would get it if Connor didn't want that fight because, like, listen, all you need to know is I have that win over Max Holloway. I don't know if I want to run that back with the way that Max is fighting these days. It, it, it is heart of hearts and is truth of truths. If I had the choice between me versus Max Holloway or me versus Nate Diaz, it's commercially a bigger fight to fight Nate Diaz. It's 1-1 instead of 1-0, so there is that a natural score to settle there. More so even Steven than it is with Max, where it's like, I got the one on you. Sorry. Um, but, yeah, I'd definitely be into it if, if they did go down that road again, for sure. Um, and then, yeah, if Charles Oliveira ends up winning this, I do think that, listen, there's a lot of guys at 155. There are contenders there, but Max is an OG. You know, Max is a, he's a made man and he's certified. And I do think that if it's not now against Charles Oliveira, I definitely think that, uh, you know, if Charles Oliveira were to go on some type of a run and needs matchups or something like that, yeah, then we could talk. You know, I think that's, that's definitely an option that could be out there for him. But for Max, great performance from him today. Uh, really, really tremendous in, in, in what he was able to put forth and, and what this guy is uh, continually able to do every single time that he steps into the cage. He is just uh, he's just so much fun to watch in action. He's so much fun to watch uh, every time that he steps in there. And great personality. Yair, too. Yair, uh, you know, tried to unleash some of those crazy ninja moves on uh, on Max. Um, you know, nearly hit that up elbow. It did hit the, uh, I shouldn't say nearly, did hit the up elbow again up against, uh, with his back against the cage. Wasn't able to finish him like he was uh it, where he got the the infamous fish against uh korean zombie but still uh still was able to hit it um he's good man yeah he he's really good for the time you just i think for for yair this is the big thing i just i'd love to see him fight three times next year you know let's get a lot of yair rodriguez in our life let's not be uh let's not be in a position where he is uh he's not going to be in action that much that's going to be uh i think the big key for him is that He's fresh on people's minds that he is an event to watch and, uh, you know, put him in there with, with somebody else at the top. So 145. And I think uh, I think he'll be in a good spot for sure. We'll take a quick break. We'll get into a little bit more of what's going on in the uh, in the UFC with the card last night. Bellator, Chris Cyborg getting a win this weekend. Could we be having a big time matchup between her and Kayla Harrison? That was the buzz this week. We'll get to that and more on the other side on Tobin's Fight Show after this. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Rolling on with a little bit of what went down in UFC last night. Uh, you had Marcos Rodrigo de Lima with a big-time TKO over Ben Rothwell in the first round. A little bit of controversy on this stoppage. Some people wondered, did Herb Dean step in there too quick? I thought that Ben Rothwell was going down like a big old, uh, old beer-bellied tree. I thought that he was getting chopped down. Um, if anything, I think Herb Dean, this is the one thing with, with, with stoppages. And there was a couple incidents of this. You had this, and then you had the chaos Williams with his win over, uh, our guy, Miguel Baeza in the third round and Miguel popped right back up, had a little bit of a problem with the stoppage, but you know, what's always, you know, you always fail to realize in some of these stoppages when the, the ref jumps in there, even just getting that slight bit of relief uh, or getting those slight stoppages, like in those moments where the ref is saving you or 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 key or or going and 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 breaking up the action he's keeping your opponent away from you too and that's you know those could always be extra shots those can always be 
some more damage that's inflicted. So it's not always just on, hey, the referee jumped in there early. He's ruling and judging. Um, I thought in both cases, I thought if one was going to be a little bit quicker, I thought Miguel's was a little bit quick. Um, but I, I don't think there's much of an argument for either guy. I, I do think that the stoppages were fine. I don't have an issue with either one of them. Um, I don't really get, you know, Dana was saying, you know, for Herb, he has to be more wary of when he's putting his hands on uh, other guys in in the fight because they're not going to stop the fight. You know, Herb Dean's always, it's like, look, the guy, the guy is regarded as one of the best um, for the longest time. He was looked at as a guy who would let just all the damage be inflicted on somebody and, and you literally had to hit him with a two by four to get Herb Dean to stop the fight, then, you know, I think he's probably heard some of that. And because he's, you know, critiqued probably more than a lot of people, he has had some where he's been on the other side of it too. Like, it's not just that he is looked upon as the most recognizable referee. Um, that'll probably also put you with the most scrutinized referees. You know, it's it's a very, very fine line for uh, for him. I don't think that he got uh, that one wrong against Ben Rothwell, and I don't think that the decision to stop the uh, the Chaos Williams Miguel Baez a fight was wrong either. Uh, I saw Miguel on uh, on on social media very hard on himself. Um, you know, this is a guy who has had a couple losses in a row. This one was obviously a lot more brutal. It was good to see uh, him type that he's doing okay because he uh, he took a vicious shot from Chaos Williams, and. Um, you know, for him, they were ta- actually talking about this during the fight, and it was almost like a premonition where they were saying, you know, he was good with those calf kicks, but Chaos Williams could make you pay for that, uh, and he really did uh, because Miguel was starting out. It's been a very successful weapon for him. He's got, uh, you know, in the in the first round, he was really going for a heel hook. He was really trying to find a submission. Um, Chaos Williams was making him pay a little bit, taking some shots to the face, but um you know, you, you knew that Miguel was trying to unleash a game plan. I thought round two, that that was his round. I thought that he uh, really, I think, slowed the pace. I think K, uh, he, he definitely did what he intended to do with Chaos in trying to make him less aggressive so he doesn't end up in the position again. But, um, you know, maybe got a little bit too loose in the, in the third round and just didn't think that, you, you know, Chaos was going to unleash on him like that. So... Uh, that's tough for our guy from Davey. I still think the guy's got uh, unbelievably unbelievable talent. You know, he's only 29 years old. He's just scratching the surface there in the UFC. And uh, I said this last week going into that fight. Chaos Williams uh, is a scary dude. He's a, he's a scary dude with uh, some serious power. And and there's no uh, no wonder why he got a bonus tonight. He uh, he definitely definitely deserved it. And is. Uh, is is a real real talent a real talent so i don't think miguel should uh should hang his head too much i know that he uh genuinely does take these where he you know says things like he thinks he failed he didn't fail anybody dude you're uh you, you're you're in there um first of all you're in there by yourself and you got to make the decisions you think are best for you and i don't think that he did anything that uh should be frowned upon i think that Cas williams just executed at a better point of the fight. I think that Miguel had a good idea. It's just that his opponent executed at a better spot. And so, you know, next time he'll he'll, he'll sharpen things up and, and go get him the next time. Uh, and then also in this one, you had Song Yudong. He beat uh, Julio Arce with a uh, head kick KO. Head kick on Julio Arce. They really followed up with punches. 
And uh, that was all she wrote there. Really, really great performance there from uh, Song Yadong. From Bellator's standpoint, we'll flip over to Bellator here for a little bit. Uh, Bellator 271 was at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. Did not make it out to that show. A little bummed that it did, but, you know, it's some other obligations. So I wasn't able to make it out there. But um, it's... Uh, you know, it was it was it's been cool the Hard Rock being able to get all these fights down here, and I'm glad to see that our our community is getting some of these big time events. UFC, you're up next. Hint, hint, because we've had PFL, we've had Bellator. Time for the big boys to come on down here. But Chris Cyborg uh, was taking on Sinead Kavanaugh, and just a listen, uh, just all around domination from Chris Cyborg. There's not much of a breakdown that you need for this one. Um, you know, Sinead really was didn't have an answer you know hadn't been in the in the cage in a long long time and and really just didn't have anything for chris cyborg who felt pretty much like she was free to tee off um without any repercussions knocked her out pretty brutally in the first round hit her with a couple follow-up shots that where you might have wanted her being to be there to to get in there and break it up quick but uh, great performance from Chris Cyborg. The big storyline that comes out of this one, though, was the attendance of Kayla Harrison. Uh, Kayla Harrison, who we've had on this program, trains down here at American Top Team, uh, is the two-time PFL lightweight champion, two-time PFL million-dollar tournament winner. This is the big question for Kayla. Are is, the big uh, the big um, question out there in the future of Kayla is Will Scott Coker pony up and get Kayla Harrison into the fold for Bellator. Now, mind you, she's the face of PFL. I can't imagine that PFL is not going to want her back. So if PFL wants her back, it's like a guaranteed million down the road for her. So, you know, Bellator does have to go about this in a way where they're going to have to pay her with a, with a lot of, with a respectful price. Um, and so hopefully that they do that. She was there cage side. Thought that was huge by her. I always love that. That she was there. Chris Cyborg acknowledges her there. Chris Cyborg also says that she'd like to fight Kat Sangano. Um, that's an interesting one to me, too. Don't get me wrong, because Kat Sangano, look, she's 2-0 in Bellator. She is the last woman to beat Amanda Nunes. So I do think that that fight says something. I think it's a it's much more interesting fight than was tonight against Chris Cyborg, which just felt like she was being thrown a, a lamb to the slaughter. And... Uh, Kat Singano has been in there with the who's who. She's beaten some of the best, even though she – and don't forget all the personal stuff that she's had to deal with and overcome in her career too. So that's always going to have credibility to me if you go fight her. But Kayla Harrison versus Chris Cyborg feels like for Bellator that could be something special. You think about some of the great women's fights that Strike Force and, and, and Scott Coker did back in the day. Where he discovered with uh, the OG Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate, with Chris Cyborg versus Gina Carano. This is him, like, really getting to his roots and him putting Kayla Harrison on a premium stage against Chris Cyborg, giving her a credible opponent right, the, right away. Because even though Amanda Nunes has already beaten Chris Cyborg, it's still one of the most credible beat wins you can have out there. So if Kayla Harrison is to go beat her, it says something, and don't forget, you know, it'll be, I imagine, at 155, so it'll probably be for some new championship so they could sell that to people, and that's not something the UFC's really, I think, open for. Um, 
I also think that, you know, Bellator still holds a little bit more weight than PFL does. You know, Scott Coker holds a little bit more weight than PFL, which is a little bit newer onto the stage does. I just think it's huge. If they're able to pull this off, I think is uh, that they, you know, they talk a lot about this. Oh, 205 best 205 division, all that. Cool. They still have Fedor. Cool. They still, and they still have a lot of young, you know, great talent. We saw some of that on display tonight with Aaron Pico. We saw that on display tonight with a guy like Cody Law, who I think a lot of people should be uh, excited about. Steve Mallory, tall, uh, t- uh, tall Steve Mallory going out there, getting a win. He remains undefeated. Uh, you saw Marone Feraldo with his, uh, tremendous flying knee with the point so they got a lot of talent i'm not i'm not trying to sell bellator's talent short but as far as banging huge gotta see it fights if they i don't know really what they have right now as far as that's concerned and i think that kayla versus chris cyborg is one where like if you put that on one night i don't know how many fights in the ufc beat down a certain there are some but there's not a ton and for many fights this right now bellator bellator doesn't have a lot of those where we put this on the main event we're winning and i think that if they were to put that on the main event one night there's very few fights the ufc will counter that with and and win the night i know there are options but not a ton so i think i mean i think it's huge if he's able to go get kayla harrison and put her into the fold uh, really cool that she was there and uh, that that uh, that's that's a potential matchup that we could see I think that uh, that would do wonders she's a star she just had she's I mean listen Kayla Harrison just has like they always she just has the it factor dude has the it factor um, knows she's the best knows she's a monster um, charismatic as hell I really feel with the PFL has done all she can do. You win it twice. You get $2 million. Um, yeah, you can keep lining it up there, but she has talked she, she has talked about the importance of legacy for her and being the best, and it would be important for her to be in certain situations. And I feel like Bellator, her versus uh, Chris Cyborg, can definitely do that. Um, I think that that's, that's right away. You come in there and, you know, it's really cool, first of all, that she's in this position of free agency. I think the thing that's interesting is um, for the UFC, like, I, you know, not getting into the game with her is strange. You know, I, I feel like for them, they have this run right now with their women's division of they have three top tier stars in Amanda, the GOAT. No one touches her. Um, in Valentina, who nobody touches her other than Amanda Nunes and, and, and doesn't have a huge margin above her. And then Rose is, is starting to kind of craft her own path as a two-time champ now. Thing is, with Kayla versus Amanda, is they're teammates. So, you know, I don't know if they're, uh, you know, I don't know what the payday has to be for for uh, them to want to break that up. And I think especially from, you know, the side of uh, Kayla Harrison uh, wanting to fight Amanda. But... You know, for me, this is the perfect fight for her right now. Her versus Chris Cyborg is uh, as good as it gets for uh, for women's mixed martial arts right now. I think that that uh, that absolutely has to and should be made, no doubt about that. Got a big fight coming up next week in uh, boxing as Terrence Crawford is going to be making his return 
to the ring, taking on Showtime Sean Porter. We'll get into a little bit of that coming up as we switch to the Switch Science. We're back after this on Tobin's Fight Show. Welcome back, everybody. It is Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Uh, I'll give you one, uh, a couple pieces of UFC news, then I want to get into some boxing here. Um, well, first, let me mention BKFC, Lorenzo Hunt. He took uh, Hector Lombard's cruiserweight title this past week as BKFC was at the James L. Knight Center. Luis Baboon Palomino, he retained his uh, title over Dat Nguyen. Uh, so that's your uh, BKFC update from everybody. Um, as far as UFC is concerned, big news this week, Jorge Masvidal. He is out of his fight with Leon Edwards. Now, I mentioned this because I don't remember if we got to this on the end of the show. I don't think we did. But uh, last week, it was interesting enough that Colby Covington, after his loss to Kamara Usman, had said um, that he thinks that Jorge Masvidal should pull out of his fight with Leon Edwards or Leon Scott, as he calls him. I don't really get the bit there, but whatever. Um, and that they should fight, that that's the big fight. And I, I said, we d- I do remember talking about this last week where I was telling you, I said, the fight that obviously makes the most sense for Colby with either Masvidal winning or losing is him versus Colby because Jorge losing the way that he did to Kamara needs as many wins as possible to get back to the title. So it makes sense if he comes off a win off Leon Edwards to fight Colby. And if he comes off a loss against Colby, uh, against Leon, Colby makes sense because that's kind of the only big fight out there. Although, you know, we're talking about McGregor fights earlier on that, you know, they're chirping at each other. Until, although, man, Connor's been, he's been yapping at everybody on Twitter. Almost got to mute him with how much he tweets lately. It's like a spam artist. Um, but Jorge pulls out of his fight with Leon Edwards. Leon, not surprised, calling him a fraud. Um, so undisclosed injury there. Interesting. It is interesting. Like it, it's t- it's tough for what what Colby says in the press conference, and then this happens, and it does. It, it's tough for you not to pull back and go like, "Huh? Wonder if he is doing what Colby says." Because look, this win against Leon Edwards, I don't think puts Masvidal in line for a title shot right away. I don't think that. If Colby would have won, yeah, but Colby didn't win. So what's the incentive? And even if Colby would have beaten Kamara, I think the obvious fight probably would have been Colby versus Kamara 3. But, okay, that's not going to happen now. So if you're Jorge Masvidal, don't forget, Jorge's not young. You know, this whole rise that he's had has been very late in his career, and you got to get in as, as many big fights as you can. And so, is him and Leon a pay-per-view fight? Well, very clearly, no, because they were fighting as the third-tier fight on a double title fight, even though Jorge may be the biggest name on the card, he wasn't headlining the pay-per-view. But could him versus Colby Covington headline a pay-per-view? Yeah, I think it probably could. If, If you really were to sell those two, um... Definitely think it could be a a headliner for a pay-per-view if they did it the right way uh, and let those guys just promote the hell out of it. They have the story and the bad blood and all that type of stuff. If it's done the right way, all the dirt laid down the line, brouhaha at the press conferences, 
Yeah, I think they probably could do it for a for a a, a uh, for a headline of a pay per view. Is that what's in the works here? I don't know. I don't know if that's what's in the works here. Could I rule it out? Well, I can't because Colby just predicted it, and then what he said Horry should do just happened. Pull out of your fight. Let's go fight. Uh, maybe Masvidal is very hurt. I'm not, you know, calling him soft or anything like that. I just found it very intriguing that that happened. Also this week we had a, a little uh, brouhaha, a little uh, kerfuffle, a little uh, back and forth, if you will, between Habib Nurmagomedov and Justin Gaethje. They were arguing on Twitter about who should get the next title shot. And uh, Habib is uh, very adamant that Islam Makachev gets the shot at 155. Looked fantastic. He has looked fantastic. And Justin Gaethje is uh, very much in the camp that he should. And I think that, uh, you know, I I still think the the Islam Makachev, I think, is, you know, I think one more elite performance away from really, like, solidifying okay this guy's the guy i think that he's really got everybody honed in on him like hey this dude's a legit contender he is definitely on the doorstep of being the man i think that's where everybody's at with islam with justin i think the win over chandler the way that it happened one of the you know probably the fight of the year I think it's pretty undeniable for 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 Justin Gaethje right now. I think that he should be back in there. This whole argument from Habib, if it was from Habib, you know, Kamar Usman was making fun that Ali Abdelaziz took both of their uh, passwords and was tweeting and just you know bringing all of this up anyway. Um, you know, was 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 stirring the pot for them, so. I still think it's Gaethje. I think I still think he's the guy. I think that for for Makachev, I think he's getting there. He's super super close. Um, I think in the right circumstances, if somebody got hurt or couldn't fight and he was available, he definitely uh, could get in there and and fight for the title. But um, I don't know if I'd put him right next in line just yet. I think he's like doorstep fight. You know, answer answer it pick up the Amazon Prime off the off the stoop and you open it up and it's a title shot. It's right there. All he has to do is is walk to his door, but uh he's, he doesn't have it in hand quite yet. So, so there's some interesting UFC stuff that was going on this week. As far as boxing is concerned, a couple notes here. So Canelo Alvarez versus Caleb planted an estimated eight hundred thousand pay per view buys, according to Dan Raphael. Pretty good. Um you know, I think for it doing better than Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury, first of all, it speaks to the star power of Canelo, how much people love to watch him, you know, how much uh, how much influence he has, especially as far as uh, his fan base is concerned. Um, and doing it against a guy in Caleb Plant, like, you know, is a relative unknown. A very good fighter. I like Caleb Plant a lot. You know, I don't feel like I have to keep saying that, but... Um, for for Canelo's standpoint, it was uh, I think I think you got to be pretty happy with that. It's not it's it's really hard these days to to just be a, a smash million plus pay per view by success if you're not Conor McGregor. Really, I don't know who else is doing it. I think the question with this that's interesting is okay. 
is, you know, Jamal Jamal Charlo. If he fights him on a Showtime pay per view, is that a million? Is that a million pay per view buys? Is that even bigger? Um, I think the Charlos are probably a little bit more known than Caleb Plant. I think that um, you know, they definitely have a lot of athletes too who who uh who follow them and like watching them when they're in the in the ring i feel like there could be a little bit more social media buzz so i i think that is something that caleb plant probably couldn't bring to the table but i mean i don't know if you're gonna have the 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 back and forth trash talk that caleb plant really brought to the table with the steroid accusations with the shoving that they had at the press conference i mean they did all that to a t it just thinks that uh Caleb probably about as unknown as as it can get when it comes to really quality fighters. He just happened to have the belt. Um, But for Canelo, is that bigger than – and he's not fighting again until May. He's made that clear. So there's a lot of time to figure this stuff out, and there could be guys out there who can call it out a certain way. It's nobody really – he listened. He's undisputed at 168. So – one of the things that's tough for all these guys is what do you bring to the table for Canelo Alvarez? And I think that your star power has to be the big X factor. Some of these guys, they have to be active for, for people like Caleb Plant. He had the belt. He had a piece of leverage that Canelo wanted. Why risk it against some of these guys? I think, I don't know if that's necessarily the case for some of these guys, like for Jermall Charlo, uh, Demetrius Andrade, uh, is fighting next week. Demetrius is an interesting one because look, Demetrius and him did have the the great back and forth at the Billy Joe Saunders press conference. So there's some bad blood there that is brewing. I would love to see that fight. I would love to see Demetrius Andre in there. I don't even equate it because I just feel like nobody gives this guy the time of day. I love Demetrius Andre as a fighter. Um, for for Charlo. I feel like he's going to go the safer. He needs to me like, it's not just that I feel like he's got a lot of the star qualities, but I just feel like he needs to be active. He needs to keep, he needs to highlight real knockouts. He needs to get the people buzzed about him to fight Canelo Alvarez. He has to go do that work. And he needs to take advantage. Like maybe that's two more fights before you get to Canelo. Something like that, because I don't think that it's established enough. I think when you look at something like this, okay, 800,000 buys, that's pretty good. But for Canelo, what I think is going to separate you from the next guy and and what's going to, if he's doing that partnership with PBC is, okay, who's going to take us to an even higher level to get us even more bang for our buck with Canelo Alvarez? And, you know, I don't know the, you know, Benavidez, Charlo, uh, Andre is on the zone side of things, so probably not him. Um, you know, could they go grab Triple G? You know, I'm not into the Triple G trilogy. Like, I think that that storybook is kind of written and moved on from. Triple G is a l- little bit older in the tooth, long in the tooth. Um, and I feel like Canelo avenged that pretty well. Like, he got a very controversial draw in the first fight as bad a blood as it could get in the lead up to the rematch. But I thought that he came through and performed against triple G. I don't know if there's, it's necessary that these guys fight again. I really, really don't. Um, especially because again, triple G is not that active. Like it's not, 
It's not fresh in my mind seeing Gennady Golovkin fight. So that's an interesting one. It really is a big deal to have these guys out there and, and that they stay active. But coming up next week, big one other than Demetrius Andre fighting, is that is the return of Terrence Crawford. Terrence Bud Crawford is going to be in the ring against Showtime Sean Porter as Porter is uh, looking to win Terrence Crawford's piece of the welterweight championship. Crawford coming in at 37-0, 28 knockouts. Sean Porter, 31-3-1. His losses are to Kel Brook, Keith Thurman, and Errol Spence. He's never been stopped. Porter last fought in August of 2020. Crawford fought in November 2020 when he beat Kel Brook. And uh, he's coming to this as a minus 700 favorite. I say this about anybody who matches up against Sean Porter. For Terrence, look. This is the most credible guy. People will say that he's going to fight. However, he is in the unfortunate position of he's also the third real, you know, star, I guess you could say, or champion to fight Sean Porter. So if he beats Sean Porter, I don't know if he's going to get much credit for beating Sean Porter like Errol Spence did or like Keith Thurman did. But it's an important fight for him to have. First of all, it's important because you got the PBC top rank, uh, can, you know, bridge being gapped a little bit maybe that can lead to something for errol spence i hope it does um and i hope that terrence who doesn't like to seem that he's going out there and calling for anything he feels like he should be the guy who his resume should speak for itself you know undisputed at 135 pounds and you know being the uh, 140 pounds being the guy that he is at 147 pounds and all that type of stuff i feel like he doesn't feel like he has to be that guy. It's just the day and age, man. Like, I just feel like in, in one way or another, you don't have to call anybody a bum. You don't have to do that, but you do have to make it known. So I just think the world of the guy's boxing skill set, I do think that he's going to go get this win. But look, when you take on Sean Porter, you're just in for a rough and tumble night. You're going to be in for a hard night uh, of work because he just makes things so ugly he makes it so painful to fight this guy so it's going to be incumbent upon Terrence Crawford to really show him a lot of stuff to where you know you're going to make it even a deterrent for Sean to even want to get rough and tumble with you can he do that can he showcase some things that Errol Spence really wasn't able to Garrett Spence had trouble keeping Sean Porter off of him a lot of people do he's he's good at that and um you know, he's been the, 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 the WBC champ and he's been this guy who has been, uh, I don't want to say the bridesmaid of the division cause he's not that he's better than that, but, uh, he definitely is probably, uh, always thought of as the other guy in some regards or, or not the guy who's ever been thought of as the absolute a one of the 147 division. If he beats Terrence Crawford, he is right back there and then some, and then probably can, easily go back and call for an Errol Spence Errol Spence the thing that's unfortunate about it is if he goes and wins this he probably can go right back and and get another Errol Spence fight pretty easily I think Errol Spence would fight him again because he already has uh but if Terrence Crawford goes and wins this fight could he get Errol Spence who knows what it, it almost feels like it, it, it's uh it's a couple things I don't want to disrespect Sean Porter because Seeing that, you know, Terrence is minus 700, I definitely think that he should be a favorite, but I don't think he's that lopsided a favorite against Sean Porter. I think it's a little bit of a slap in the face to Sean Porter, to be honest with you. But the other thing is, um, 
it's crazy that only one guy feels like they could come out of this and really get the fight against the man people want to see fight Terrence Crawford. You know, like Sean Porter could win this fight, and even though he's already lost to Errol Spence, close as it was, he could go back and get that matchup. Terrence Crawford can't get that matchup. So I don't want that to be the storyline all week. I do think that there's something to, hey, Terrence Crawford's arguably the best guy doing it right now from a from a all-around skill standpoint. He's that damn good at boxing. That should be storyline enough in that he's going in there against a guy who doesn't make it pr- uh, a pretty nice work for anybody in the office and maybe some nights is just even good enough to beat some of the best in the world. Um, but it is going to be an overhanging thing. Are we going to get – he's going to be asked about Are we going to get Errol Spence? And I know that he's tired of it, and I know that he doesn't want to answer it and all that type of stuff, but uh, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. And you think that, um, you know, Errol – maybe Errol's going to be out there trying to go and get that Canelo fight. You know, he's mentioned it before. Um, so – and he's already in that PBC universe. And then the other the interesting thing that's hanging over this with Terrence is, you know, his relationship with top rank. Like, how much longer does it last? You know, does this showcase him to Al Heyman a little bit? And does he move across the street, if you will? Maybe. I mean, those are all things that are, are hanging over this all in the uh, the runs. I do think that he wins. Um, and, and, and I don't think that he's going to stop Sean Porter. I think that's a tall task, but I do think that he gets the win. Um, and I think he, he probably wins it pretty handily, too. I think he might actually look a little bit better than Errol did against uh, he did. Just because I just think that, that Terrence has more bags in his in his arsenal. He's just got more bags of tricks, man. A um, little bit more well-rounded, able to fight from both sides, um, and just nastier. You know, I just think he's a nastier fighter than Errol Spence is. I really do. It's... Uh, you know, and I do think of that if those guys ever did match up, I'd favor Terrence. I like Terrence. I, I'm a big Bud Crawford fan. Uh, the only thing that he doesn't really have going for him is age. Um, that's that's a tough one for sure. But you know, he doesn't have these signs that he's slowing down either. So I'm gonna go with uh, with Bud Crawford to get the win there. That's our show for this week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. If you missed any of it. We will, uh, you guys catch the podcast and we will talk to you guys next time. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.